Hello and welcome to Hirewire, our resource solutions podcast series in which we explore the broad sweep of the world of work. These podcasts explore topics including mental health, employment law, diversity and inclusion and today we'll be discussing the very relevant topic of ethical downsizing. My name's Faye Walsh, I'm the Innovation Director and Head of um, Resource Solutions Consultancy um, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Lakin. Hello Tom. Hi Faye, how are you? Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, just a bit of intro to, to me, I'm, I'm Tom Lakin, I'm the Director um, of Innovation and Practice Director at RS Consultancy, advising clients on all things future of work from bias minimization, assessment, um, HR tech, you name it. Lovely. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm also joined by Kirsty Adams. Hello, Kirsty. Hi, Faye. Hi, Tom. Uh, delighted to be here today. So I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer for Resource Solutions, albeit I wear two hats, uh, that hat, and also I'm the Practice Director for HR Consultancy for RS. Thank you so much both for joining today. So. Let's get straight into it. We're actually here today to discuss ethical downsizing. Now, why? We're on the cusp of a potentially extraordinary economic situation that's facing all of us. And potentially, this kind of situation is something that we haven't looked at or we haven't seen before. Our colleagues in RS Intelligence have been furnishing us with some amazing reports looking at the, the economic megatrends that are hitting the world at the moment. And it looks like if we are to face a recession in the coming year or two years, it may not be anything like we've seen before. We're seeing an increasing shortage of talent despite potential recession. And we're already seeing noise coming from uh, West Coast of America, where we've got um, tech companies already having to make large reduction in force or redundancies. And so why talk now about ethical downsizing? Tom, you're the king of trends here. Um, why did this topic appeal to you today? I think I think that, that it, it is different from some of the ones that we've seen before, because I think more partly from an economic perspective, the 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 era of cheap money um, is sadly for well for those of us with a mortgage is sadly coming to an end. If you've got lots in the bank, that's probably a very good time to to start getting some return on your money. But for, from a business perspective, companies have been able to hire um, even those like Twitter that rarely re have reported um, profits over the over the years. They've been able to increase their headcount significantly. Um, that era is coming to an end and, and, and investors and organisations are now asking, do we need as many headcount as this? Can we afford it? Is it sustainable? Um, mm. And really, that's I don't think that's going to go away. I think I don't I don't think it's necessary or as gloom, doom and gloom as some of the, the reports that we're seeing. You mentioned some of the data that we get from our RS intelligence colleagues. And I think it's fascinating to actually kind of challenge some of those those tabloid headline lines that are, are, are less cheery. But I think whatever happens, we're going to see right sizing, whether that's downsizing or still growth, we're going to see right sizing. Um, and I think that that's why we need to talk about it, because all HR leaders are, are going to have this challenge um, or, or at least need to be aware of it. And I think that there's some additional contexts beyond that that we need to be aware of as well. 
Um, what is the manner in which it's which is being done? We've seen some quite shocking stories even before the the the, the latest wave of tech redundancies. The likes of PO actually quite brutally, in my personal view. Um, making making some quite significant downsizing in 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 a way that I don't think would meet most of our ethical requirements, um, and 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 also kind of things like locking of offices as well. We're seeing some kind of like you know Twitter actually locking people about physical places to work. Um, this also impacts the EVP, and that's really I suppose the employer value proposition or what what it means to 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 employees and candidates. And that's significant for two reasons. One is the greater transparency that we now have. Now have. If, if I'm made redundant and I'm treated badly, I now have more places to go than ever to share my experience. Now, Glassdoor has been prevalent for many years, but we're increasingly seeing very human raw stories being shared on the likes of TikTok, on the likes of Reddit and the big, huge communities there. Um, so when people are treated badly, people will hear about it. Now, that it has an ethical question mark, but it's also a business conversation, because actually when the taps are turned on, and they will be, there has never been a recession that hasn't ended. When the taps are turned on and you need to hire people, people will remember and they will be able to find out because it will be on TikTok, Reddit, Glassdoor. Yeah, and it it doesn't go away. And actually, the reason to mention that this the, you know, the next 18 months, 24 months of our lives globally might look quite differently is because even though we may be right sizing our businesses because of this type of recession that we're going into, it's very possible because of an ongoing skill shortage that organisations will be hiring at the same time in other areas of their business as well. So I totally see your point. That's a unique circumstance in which you've got people leaving at the same time, potentially, as you've got them joining. And that's a very difficult employer brand message to stay on top of, isn't it? Um, what about um, in terms of you, you actually mentioned some of the stories that we've seen in the press recently. We were discussing um, we were discussing Twitter earlier and it was the um it was the let everyone go by text message or email and then say don't come into the office while you wait to see whether you're affected um and you also brought up P&O tell us what you remember feeling uncomfortable about when you saw those stories from an ethical perspective well, our place of work is is so significant to us. There's all you know, you've probably seen all of those posts about we spend more time with our colleagues over our lives than we do with our families and things like that. And it, you know, however we feel about our work, it is a very human personal element. And in the same way that we wouldn't want to be dumped by our partner by text, um, we we can't end a, a work relationship by text as well. I mean, text message can be amazing from a marketing perspective. Communi fast communication can be brilliant in, to communicate some messages, but when it comes to personal, meaningful things like work, I believe there is never a time to end a relationship by one of these, what I call it faceless firing. You know, there's no, it, the, it, it's just a standard, essentially a standardised message to someone. And I think with it, we've seen we've seen that deployed by the likes of p and We've seen it deployed by the likes of, um, of Twitter. But we've also seen mass downsizing at scale, not necessarily done perfectly, but I would say done right and done thoughtfully and done as ethically as possible. I'll call out a couple of examples. Um, I think that, um, uh, I think Airbnb, 
during the pandemic, obviously totally unforeseen. And then the holidays were off. You know, you couldn't you couldn't book an Airbnb even if you wanted to in many parts of the world. And the the co-founder and CEO, um, uh, um, Brian Chesky, he sent an email. So it was it was still a mass communication, but he totally showed the importance of clarity, showed the importance of detail. So he actually gave a rationale as well. It wasn't a case of just bad luck, your past won't work on Monday. It was, here's why we're in this situation. And this is what I've done as your leader, as CEO, to minimise that. However, this is going to be the impact of it. I think he did it beautifully, actually, because one of the things that the other trends that I think Airbnb started was the, and Kirsty, I know this is kind of a hot topic for you and something you're passionate about, the outplacement support element of it. But I think we saw that the creation of talent marketplaces essentially if these are our employees who are skilled and are brilliant and are amazing but we're having to make them redundant here are their details they've given us permission for you to essentially tap into this talent pool and it was that proactive support that i think added that ethical element of we're partly responsible for putting you in this situation so we're also responsible for helping you get out of it yeah um and to his credit actually when we were comparing Twitter and their actions recently with Meta's recent actions, you could see Mark Zuckerberg actually trying, striving to give his employees some examples and some explanation of why this had happened. And he took full responsibility, which to his credit, obviously stood him in better stead. Um, Kirsty, you've unfortunately seen many of these cycles and you've had an extraordinary amount of experience in dealing compassionately and from a human perspective with these kinds of really difficult um, circumstances where people are being let go and also potentially hired in the same space and time. Can you give our listeners some some practical and experienced helpful hints and tips in this space? Absolutely. So the first thing, and this sounds really basic, but with most things in life, getting the basics right sets you up in good stead. So this is just about having the clarity on the process that you're running, whether that's a retrenchment, a reduction in force or a redundancy, wherever you're operating in the world, because this gives you the clarity around what needs to happen and when. And it helps organisations talk credibly to their people. And it ensures that people feel as though they're being treated fairly and gives them confidence in the process and that you've got to get off on the right foot. I observe some organisations that don't do this or they rush in. We've got to downsize. Right, okay, we've got to do it next week without really thinking through why are we doing this? To what end? What are suitable alternatives that we can enact instead before we have to get to that last possible resort? So the big thing around there is, you know, really, really get clarity on the what and the why and the process that you're going to run. The other thing, which is a big shout out, and this is around being authentic. Support your line managers because they're the ones that are in there talking to their people about this. And nobody wants to have a conversation around a redundancy or a riff. It's not something you could jump out of bed for as a line manager going, great, looking forward to today's conversation. You really need to support them in, and you can support them in a variety of ways, getting them comfortable with what's happening. But also a couple of other things around it is a legal process you're going through. So sit, stick to the script that HR's provided for you. It, it's good for you. It's good for the individual. But keep it human as well. Acknowledge that this is a really tough set of circumstances. You've worked with this person for a period of time. 
they're your colleague um so you know genuinely have that human element and that makes this very challenging situation go a lot smoother so absolutely and then the other piece is around you know keep employees updated on what's going on you can't over communicate in a process like this not only to the people that are being affected but also to the the other people that are left in your organization what's happening why because they'll start to get nervous you can drive some actually unwanted attrition when you're in a very you know volatile competitive environment so definitely definitely um you know think about not only the communication through the process you're going through but the wider piece um and it speaks to a little bit, Tom, about what you were saying. More often in life, it's not the what that happens that upsets people, it's the how. People will remember how they are treated. If you treat people with dignity and respect, you treat them fairly, you run an open and transparent process. It sounds really easy, but it's amazing the amount of organisations that get this wrong. If you do this right, people will leave and they will, you know, more often than not, obviously not like the outcome, but will actually have respect for the organisation. You might have your boomerang employees when things turn around and change. So you've got to be thinking about that. Um, and one of the other sort of things that I'd really like to emphasise here is involve your talent acquisition team to your point around the whole reskilling and redeployment. This is not just a sort of what I call a core HR process from terms of HR business partnering. Involve your TA team. They have a good oversight of what's going on in other areas of the business. And actually, it's a legal requirement to find a suitable alternative role if you have one. But get them engaged in the process as well. And then the last piece is genuinely speak to a lot of, um, you know, HR directors and things and think about that reskilling and redeployment. It is so powerful. These people, um, you know, through circumstance that are in this situation, but they can have skills that could be, you know, uh, you could upskill, you can retrain, you can retrain, sorry, and you can redeploy them into the organisation. So you don't don't lo lose that cultural DNA. You don't lose that some of you know that real knowledge and history of your organisation. So don't automatically think when you've got to right size, the go-to position is redundancy. You have other things to think about. They're all really practical and useful tips. Do you know what? I have one question on that for, um, you know, in in many HR departments at the moment, you will have people that actually haven't been through this process too many times. Um, and, you know, like you say, it sounds on the surface of things, uh, try and achieve a clarity of process and, and share that communication openly. But there'll be people who who wonder, well, who should be part of that initial clarity? Does that stay at board level? Does that go down to those line managers? How widely do you communicate a process before it starts to happen? OK, so you've got to have that uh, alignment at this sort of exact level. You've got to be actually saying as a as a leadership team, we've got to do this. We've explored other types of options and so on and so forth. So you've got to at the exact level be aligned. Absolutely. And then you actually need to take it down to more operational level. So what I would call your senior management teams, you've got to get them um, understanding the why we're doing this. And that comes through, you know, in that planning phase. And a lot of organisations say, really quickly shift to execution. But getting that lined up with your exec and your SMT around the why we're doing it, so they're on message and genuinely, you know, bought into this, and then the how we're going to go about it. So I, I would say it's not something that you need to 
it's not one of these things that you slowly release it in the organisation. No, it needs to be controlled. It needs to be measured. Get the right senior teams on board with this and then working with your HR teams. And that's where having an HR team that is experienced in doing this, they'll then work with the line managers that have the teams affected around the real operational grit of how do we do this well? How do we do this ethically? And how do we do this in a way that is executed flawlessly and drives in a very tough situation the right outcome and I'll share a little story with you I worked uh, in an organization once whereby having the consultation meetings and the line manager really good line manager really good people manager absolutely strong in all that space and just said to the individual look there is another role here but I know it's not right for you I know that you wouldn't be interested in it straight away big no the intention was just to try and be empathetic and show that they were genuinely you know knew the individual knew what their career aspirations was in a redundancy process absolutely the wrong thing to do now luckily in that situation because there was such a good relationship you did have HR in the room it was explained away in terms of the why it wasn't that we were predetermining that they wouldn't have a suitable alternative role or anything like that but this is how easy you can trip up in these situations and that's why you again you need to have real clarity on the message and have the right support both for the individuals and the line manager when you're going through these processes you can see exactly how <clears throat> in those circumstances a script for your less experienced line managers would suddenly become as valuable as um, as anything i mean don't get me wrong face some people say oh i don't like a script it doesn't feel genuine but you can frame it as in I have to, there's certain things I have to say and it does sound a bit scripted but it's for your benefit and mine so that that helps you have that and I come back to you, a human conversation in a really tough set of circumstances. It's very unpleasant and I, you know it's an unhappy circumstance to be talking about this around around the holidays but it's actually great to know hopefully for our listeners that they have practical um, places to go and, and actually ask for some advice in these circumstances. Um, let's just, if we can, think about what predictions we might have for the future. How many of these types of exercises do you think we're going to see in the next 12 months, Kirsty? I think there's going to be a lot of what I call right-sizing, but right-sizing, not redundancy. I think organisations with what we've gone through, uh, you know, globally through the pandemic, through the you know war in Ukraine, just just about how people's lives have just been upended. I think organisations are actually saying we don't want to do that. We want to do reskilling and redeployment. We have clients reaching out to us to say that can you help us with right sizing and um, redundancy? But what's the alternatives? What could that look like? You know, what could practical outplacement support look like? How can you help us? So they're starting to have those conversations more than a, we need to right size immediately ID, do redundancies or reductions in force. So I think there's going to be a lot of um, rebalancing. I do think there will be some redundancies, but I don't think it's going to be the go-to position. I think there'll be steps in between. And Tom, we've spoken a great deal um, since the pandemic about how the pandemic of inequity in that respect actually drove a lot of um, different people out of the workforce. Um, and I know that you've been asked by quite a few of our clients to think about how we can target actually encouraging those workers to return to our offices. 
Um, how much impact do you think that that will have talking to underrepresented candidates to bring them back to employment during this time? Yeah, that, you, you're right. It's one of the. It's been one of the the most frequent conversations I've probably had with clients over the past. 18 months, two years, and I don't think that's going to change. The reason being is because I think avoiding bias is obviously key when you're bringing in new talent. That's not new to anyone, Um, but it is equally important when downsizing. And the, the key principle here is that redundancies shouldn't impact one community more than another. As you very rightly say, Faye, the the the, the, the pandemic and the, the job losses that were faced there, it, it was totally the brunt was totally faced by certain elements of, of communities. You know, we saw just in the UK, we saw 100,000 um, 100, um, women in banking leave the industry and many didn't return. Um, and you're right, when there's, when, the, when the taps turn back on and these these unusual times may bring some of that talent back. Um, but it was a global trend as well. Um, black, and, black and Latinx women in particular were disproportionately impacted by the, by the pandemic. Um, so really, we just need to, to, to make sure that some of these industries, particularly like tech, where actually they're already predominantly still particularly male dominated, um, and often by white men as well, or Asian men as well, um, and, and women of colour are already often excluded. We need to make sure that um, employers are working with the diversity and inclusion teams um, and, and organisations like, like RS to actually audit your processes to make sure that actually if you are doing right sizing, how are you minimising that bias? That downsizing bias can be avoided and, and it simply must be avoided. So great. Our listeners today have got two um, routes to come back to you two experts to find out about how to audit their current processes and how to achieve ethical downsizing, but also to reach out to Kirsty if they actually need help from a practical and experienced HR perspective to ensure that they're achieving a human communication process that's well managed. Um, That's wonderful. Thank you so much, both of you, for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. I hope everybody enjoyed today's very you know very practical and pragmatic discussion thank you all for listening um if you'd like to listen to more insights into the world of work you can find our Highwire series of podcasts on our website www.resourcesolutions.com thanks again for listening